Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be in the house of God, and I definitely feel His presence is here, and I believe He definitely wants to do a work in our midst. And uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 16. And uh, we'll be reading to verse 20, and then we'll also read verses 31 through 37. Luke chapter 1. While you're turning there, I just got to testify about the Lord's goodness. Um, Just recently, um, on my job, I had my review as far as my position, as far as my performance from last year. And uh, I'd really, really worked hard and uh, was kind of hoping for some help here, (laughs) so to speak. And uh, the good news is I, I, got a, I got a raise and a promotion. So that was, uh, I just, I have to thank God for doing that. Uh, that was just the Lord that, that got me through last year and through some of the, the challenges that were there. Uh, I just have to give God all the glory for his provision in that aspect. That God is such a provider and he always keeps his promises. He always uh, sticks with his word. If you have Luke chapter 1, say Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 1 verse 16 says, And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Now skip on down to verse number 31. Verse number 31. It says, And behold... Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, shall, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God, I want you to look at this now. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And that is the title of my message today. Be it unto me according to thy word. Let us pray today. Father, we thank you. We align and position ourselves to be receptive to your word. That God, even as you've given me this seed to plant in the hearts of the listeners today, I pray that it would take root. That it would go deep within the confines of the soul and make transformation and make conversion. That we'd be made into the image of Christ. Father, have your way in this place. Let your word, I pray, have preeminence. May it be made manifest, O God. I pray, help us to be receptive to your word, to treasure your word, to rejoice at your word as you speak to us today. We thank you and we bless you and worship you. And in Jesus' name, let the church of the living God say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today I want to talk to you about, and I know this seems very basic, this is not a, not a deep or profound message, I'll just tell you that right now. But this is just a word that I felt led to share to encourage you. But I want to talk to you about 
the integrity and the power of God's word. And how that it is necessary, it is, it is imperative for us to treasure that word. It is so interesting how a word or how a piece of information can change the course of your day, can change your mood, and can change even the course of history. You hear one report and it can completely uh, turn upside down your entire life, your entire perception of reality. And we are so receptive to the words of our peers. We are so receptive to the words of our boss or the words on social media or whatever is propagated on regular media that it will transform the way that we perceive things and the way that we accept things, the way that we behave and we act. And one of the things that I want to reestablish in the church is truly a veneration for God's word and the fact that God's word is true. When it comes to truth and it comes to definitions, this is something that has really just been thrown out the window. I was listening to a message by, uh, I guess you'd call him pastor or reverend, uh, Brandon Robertson. He's uh, an LGBTQ uh, preacher and he's trying to push the uh, gay agenda. And he was doing an exegesis on Genesis chapter 1, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve were being tempted by the serpent. And in this particular message, he, he basically spun everything around where he said that God was the deceiver and that Satan was telling the truth. I was blown away at this. He said, he said God said that in the day that you did this fruit, that you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. And he says, well, did they die in that day? Did they die that day? No, they didn't. So God was the one that was lying, and Satan was the one that was telling the truth because he was the one that was saying that if you eat this fruit, you're going to become like God's and get knowledge and get truth, and that God is the one that's borrowing us from truth. I was absolutely blown away by this. But that's the, the, the society we're living in, that we take the word of God and we can twist it and manipulate it to however we want it to be. And the reason why is because it is the word of God that is the foundation for faith. And without faith, as Hebrews eleven six says, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If we cannot trust God's word or God's testimony, we have no avenue for faith and no avenue for God to work in our lives. And that is why the Bible tells us to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It is your duty and it is your responsibility to defend what you believe, especially when it comes to the integrity of the word of God. When God speaks to us through his word, the only response that should come from us is yes and amen. The Bible says, and I believe it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, for all the promises of God are in him, both yea and amen. Now, we use the term amen. We say it in church whenever a preacher says something good or something that we like or something that we agree with, but it's something that's very powerful, the word amen. The word amen simply means so be it. May it be fulfilled or may it come to pass. And the Bible says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, I believe verse 1, it says, let every word be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. That the word of God is established, it is made actualized and manifested when individuals say so be it, when they agree with the word of God. You saying amen to what I'm going to be preaching today is not just making me feel good and patting me on the back. 
but it's actually aligning and positioning yourselves to receive the supernatural. You're saying what God has said in his word, I am aligning myself with to make myself receptive so that I can ingest and receive what God has to say. When you say amen, you are being a partaker, a participant in God's word becoming flesh and becoming real. Somebody say amen. So when God's word is being preached, when God is speaking on a subject, the one of the reasons why you're not receiving, you're not being blessed because you're not saying so be it. God, I want your word to become real in my life. So I'm going to be preaching the word of God to you today. And the outcome of this service is not dependent on me. It's dependent on are you going to receive what God has to say. And when we receive, when we position ourselves to receive, that is when the supernatural and the miraculous starts to happen. Here's a mathematical uh, equation for you. Your faith plus the word of God equals the miraculous. Jesus said in Mark 23, he said, if thou canst believe anything, all things are possible to him that believeth. So we must really put an emphasis again on the integrity of God's word and putting our trust in what God says. What God says is going to come to pass. It is so. Now, going back to our main text here in Luke chapter 1, there are two individuals here who are visited by the same character, which is Gabriel. They're both told an incredible message that sounds bizarre and absolutely out of this world and impossible. And both of them have two questions. Both of them question this news, but yet Gabriel's reaction to their questions are completely different. I want to read these two verses again. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 16... The angel Gabriel has visited Zacharias, who's praying in the temple. And he appears to him and starts telling him, it's like, you're going, your wife is going to have a son, and he's going to be the, the, the forerunner for the Messiah, and all this great stuff, he's going to be a prophet, and all this great stuff. And uh, Zacharias, if you know the story, he was like Abraham and Sarah. He was very old. His wife was very old. They were barren. They had no children. And so he gets this news, and I want you to see his question and see Gabriel's reaction to this. Luke 1, 16. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, look what he says here, whereby, whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the prince of God and am sent, speak, sent, sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. So now Gabriel basically curses Zacharias and says from this point on you'll be unable to speak until your son's born because you asked me this question and because you don't believe my words. Now look at Mary. Mary, Gabriel comes to Mary, Luke chapter 1, verse 31, telling him something even crazier, okay? It's crazy enough that an old lady is going to have a baby, but a, a virgin having a baby without any type of relation with a man is even crazier. So the degree of craziness that he, she's hearing is much higher. Do you see this here? So now, look at Luke 1, 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She's asking, wait a minute. A virgin having a baby. How can this be, seeing that I know not a man? 
Now, Gabriel's reaction is, I'm going to curse you and make you dumb. Instead, he says this, verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. He seems to give her a logical explanation for this. Now, wait a minute. Both of them had some crazy news about something supernatural that's going to happen. Both of them asked questions. Gabriel curses one, and he explains to the other. The question is why? Why is this, there are these two very different reactions? Now, the reason why is because they are asking actually two different questions. The questions sound the same, but they are very much different. Because Zacharias, actually I'll start with Mary. Mary is questioning, how is God's plan going to work in my life? How is this going to happen? Zacharias is asking, how do I even know what you're saying is true? Those are two very different questions. One assumes belief that it's going to happen, but just a misunderstanding of how it's going to happen, an ignorance of how it's going to be implemented. While the other questions whether or not the story is even true at all. It questions the integrity of the message that God was giving to Zacharias. They're two very different questions, which is why they had two different responses. Now, let's deal with Zacharias just for a minute. Because Zacharias is questioning whether or not this is true. How do I know what you're telling me is the truth, Gabriel? You're an angel. You just supernaturally just appeared in the middle of the temple out of nowhere. And you're telling me this news. How do I know this is even true? Now, Gabriel was a little bit offended by this. It's like, what do you, what do you mean, how do you know this is true? Look what he says here in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse number 19. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. Do, do you know who I am? Do you know who you're talking to? He's like, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad times. I came right from God's head office. I stand, I'm right next to God. I stand right next to him. Do not understand who I am. And he sent me to tell you this stuff. And you have the audacity to question what I'm telling you is the truth. So Gabriel gets a little bit offended by this. And he says, Behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. The thing is that Zacharias was asking for more evidence and more proof to verify that what God was saying was actually true. Now here's the thing. Whenever you start doubting God's word, you become dumb. It's a dumb move to doubt God's word. Because what happened to Zacharias by him asking for more proof, he became dumb. He couldn't speak. And the fact of the matter is, when you are unable to ascertain what you believe and have a sure foundation of what your faith is, you'll keep silent. You won't say nothing. You're, you're in school and the teacher asks a question says, does anyone know the answer? You ain't saying nothing because you don't know what the answer is. Why? You're unsure. You have doubt. You have self-hesitation that is there. And what happens is when you begin to question whether or not God's word is true, your mouth is shut up. The fact of the matter is, Zechariah should not have been questioning whether or not God's word was true. She, he should have asked like Mary, how can I position myself to align to receive what you have spoken in your word? Matthew 16, 4, 4 says, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Now the fact of the matter is, 
that Zechariah, actually Gabriel was doing Zacharias a favor. Because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The fact of the matter is, Zacharias was about to speak doubt and unbelief and start cursing the blessing that God was trying to do in his, in his life. So Gabriel said, this is too important for you to mess up. So I'm going to make you shut up so you don't self-curse yourself. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, verse 28, Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. When you're in a position when the enemy is tempting you to doubt the promises of God and trying to get you to doubt and to fall away from what God has said in your word, don't say anything. Keep your mouth shut. Don't speak death and damnation and doubt and unbelief into your spirit. Keep your mouth shut. Hold your peace. Hold your peace and stand firm on the word of God. I'm going to make you be quiet because you're going to mess this whole thing up. Psalm 39 verse 1 says, I said I will take heed to my ways. That I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred. Psalm 39 verse 9 says, I was dumb. I opened not, not my mouth because thou didst it. God, thank you, Lord, for keeping me, keep my mouth shut before I curse myself, before I say something I shouldn't say. Gossip about someone I shouldn't be gossiping about. Pass on some information that I shouldn't be passing on. Cuss somebody out that I shouldn't be saying any of these words. God, keep me silent. Proverbs 30, 21, verse 23 says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. There is a time. There is a purpose under heaven for every season. And there is a time to be silent. There is a time to be boisterous. And when you are being tempted by the enemy, and he's trying to get you to say something against God, sometimes it's best just to hold your peace. Job's wife did the same thing. He said, you still are holding on to your integrity, Job. You've lost all ten of your children. All of your wealth has been stripped from you. Why don't you curse God and die? But Job did not curse God and die. He instead said, naked I came to this world and naked I will return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now I want to flip this just for a moment because the devil likes dumb spirits. He likes people to be dumb. He likes dumb Christians. Christians who keep their mouth shut and, and don't speak God's word and, and don't speak faith and, and don't stand for righteousness and holiness. He likes dumb Christians. He likes Christians who follow, follow rank and file with what he has to say, who will not resist and abstain from worldly lusts and the things of this world. He likes Christians who keep silent, don't protest against the wickedness and the travesties that are occurring within the world. He likes Christians to be dumb. Dumb Christians. Satan has sent a gag order around us, around the church. Dumb spirits to stop you from saying, thus saith the Lord. To stop you from speaking what is in God's word. Matthew chapter 9 verse 32 says, As they went out, behold, they brought him a dumb man, 
possessed with the devil and when the devil was cast out the dumb spake and the multitudes marveled saying it was never so seen in Israel they were mar they marveled they were amazed that a person who couldn't speak could suddenly speak the praises of God you had a gag order on you sometimes the dumb spirit comes in the form of condemnation or comes in the form of a memory of your past or comes in the form of a tragedy that happened before he wants you to be dumb and not praise God not worship God not tell anyone about God because what you did last summer because what you the mistakes that you made because of all the things that you've done but God is trying right now and the Holy Ghost to remove the gag order that's been put on side of you to open up your mouth hallelujah that's why the word of God says that everything that have breath praise ye the Lord to open up your mouth and to praise and glorify God Sometimes people are so oppressed by the dumb spirit that Satan sends that they cannot speak words of faith for themselves. This is why we are called to intercede for those who lack faith. The Bible says in Proverbs 31 verse 8, Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Some of you are going through so much tragedy and so much pain that you have been silenced. It's as if you've been sucker punched. Have you ever been punched in the stomach and the wind is knocked out of you? You don't even have enough breath or enough strength to, ex to, uh, to exhale or to, uh, to utter words or utter sentences because the wind's been knocked out of you. I'm talking to someone that you're going through something that you don't even have enough strength to say hallelujah. You don't even have enough strength to raise up your hands and that's why the body of Christ needs to intercede and for the dumb and say since they can't say it I'm gonna say it I'm not gonna let a rock cry out for me I'm gonna cry out for them I'm gonna pray for those who cannot pray for themselves I'm gonna encourage those who are depressed and disenfranchised and those who are down in the gutter and down in the valley we need to open up our mouths for the dumb When Mary asks Gabriel his question, she is not asking whether or not God's word is true. She's asking about the plan. Okay, God, you want to do this. Tell me how it's going to happen. I want to position myself in the right place at the right time so that I can receive what thus says the Lord. Father, I believe that your word is true. And I don't want to miss out on what you're trying to communicate to me. I want to be in proper alignment. Look what she says, Luke 1 verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? I know not a man and the angel answered and said unto her the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God and behold thy cousin Elizabeth she also conceived a son in her old age and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for with God nothing shall be impossible and Mary said behold the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to thy word and the angel departed from her she understood that I'm not going to receive this blessing by the word of another prophet I'm not going to receive this blessing by the word of my cousins or my auntie and my uncle it's not going to come through the government or through the news media but I must live according to what the word of God says Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 says hallelujah that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God John 6 63 says that that, that my spirits my words are spirit and they are life that we need to understand that it's by the word of 
God that we live, we move and we breathe and we have our being. You must understand the integrity and the power of God's word. For it's by them that you're able to receive the promises of God. It's by them that you're able to receive victory over all of the accounts of the enemy. I want to build your faith just for a minute about the power of God's word. That God by one word said, let there be. And there was. The Bible called, the scientists call the world that we live in, the reality that we live in, it's called the universe. Universe is Latin. Una meaning one. Verse meaning one sentence. God said, let there be. And there was. God spoke one sentence and the whole universe came into being. Do not understand the power of God's word. Whatever God says on the subject, that's what it's got to be. Thus saith the Lord, be done to me according to thy word. I don't care what the doctor tells me. I don't care what the the bank, the, 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 the bill collector tells me. I don't care what the electric company tells me. Be it unto me according to thy word. Why? Because the word of God says, John 17, verse 17, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Hallelujah. Psalms 33, verse 4. For the word of the Lord is the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Psalm 119:89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Do you understand that the word of God is settled in heaven? There's no dispute, no debate, no argument, no discussion whether or not God's word is true. Somebody tried that. It didn't work out too well for them. They got the boot out of heaven because they were disputing whether or not God's word is true. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Bible tells me in John 15, 7, that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Be done unto me, O God, according to your word. Be done unto me, God, even as you have said. Psalm 119, verse 9 says, Whereas all shall young men cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. The Bible said in Psalm 119 verse 130 that the entrance of thy word it giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Psalm 119 133 says order my steps in your word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. The Bible said in Psalm 119 162 it says I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil that God when you speak to me it's your word. It's like I've won the lottery because when you speak on a subject, it's as good as done. The check is in the mail. I'm getting ready to collect because God's word is true. Proverbs 4 verse 20 says, my son attend to my words. Incline the ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from mine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart with a life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Do not see what the word of God can do. First Peter 1.23 says, being born again not of corruptible seed but of, 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 of the living of the word of God which liveth and abideth forever it's by the word of God 
the promises of God are yea and amen. They are steadfast and they are sure. We just need to go back to the word. Matthew 19, 26 says that with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. God beat unto me according to your word. I'm not going to be like Zacharias and question whether or not your word is true. The evidence is there. The proof is there. The documentation is there. I just need to accept and receive what your word says on the subject. The biggest problem about being blessed by God isn't that God is not able to do what he says. It's that we often lack the faith to receive what God wants us to receive. James chapter 1 verse 5 says this. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It's not that God does not want to bless you, that God does not want to deliver you or save you. The problem is faith. And the fact of the matter is we waver in our faith because our faith is, is substantiated in what we see, what we can taste, what we can hear, and what we can sense, as opposed to what is said and rooted in the Word of God. We've got to go back to the Word of God as being the root of our faith. Romans 7, 10, 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Our faith must go back to that. And say, be done to me according to thy word. God, as you have spoken. I know that all of you, you're dealing with different circumstances and situations. If you go to the word of God and see where it talks about your case, you can receive the blessings of God. You can receive the power of God. The Bible, if it's healing, the Bible says in Psalm 7 verse 20 that he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. If it's financial provision, Philippians 4.19 says, but my God says, apply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you need victory, the Bible says in Romans 8.31, what shall we say to these things if God before us who can be against us he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how should not with him also freely give us all things it's all there in the word you just need to say be done to me according to thy word be done to me God as you have spoken be done to me according as you have spoken turn with me to first John chapter 3 this was not in my message but I just wanted to go here just for a minute and I'll get out your way 1 John chapter 3. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I think it's interesting that it seems like from the beginning of the service, starting with Sister Johnny, that the theme regarding seeds seems to be all over the place. It seems like all over the place that, that we're talking about the Word of God being a seed. And I want to encourage you today that we want to be careful to have that word of God in us because if we have that word, if we truly have that word, the enemy will not be able to stop us. 1 John 3.8 says this, He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now look what it says here in verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God he says the scripture says that the person doesn't sin because his seed remains in him we read in Mark chapter 4 verse 14 that he that soweth the seed uh, soweth, soweth the word that the seed represents the word of God 
And one of the reasons why that we are falling is because we are letting the enemy steal our seed. We're letting the enemy take the word of God out of our hearts. And he does it very cleverly. He can do it through a rumor. He can do it through social media and distraction. He can do it through a movie. He can do it through a friend, through a coworker. All of these things are to undermine the integrity of what God has said in his word. That's what it's been like from the beginning. The reason why we fell is because at some juncture, man stopped believing what God said. And so you have, to do, you have to be very careful not to lose your seed. Even now the enemy is trying to, loot, to, trying to take away your seed. He's trying to take this word from you so that you don't interp, uh, internalize it and apply it and grow from it. Don't lose your seed because it's your seed that's going to carry you through the turmoil and carry you through the trials. Don't let the enemy steal your seed. If your seed remains in you, you won't fall into sin. Why? Thy word of thy in my heart that I might not sin against God. Don't let the enemy steal your seed. Let's stand. I'm done. I got to quit. We want to be like Mary and say, be it unto me according to thy word. Be it unto me according to thy word. If the word of God is spoken on the subject, then there is no more debate or discussion. It's simply yea and amen. I want to receive what you said in your word. And the fact of the matter is that we no longer go to the word of God for a basis for faith. We go to other things to substantiate our faith. And I'm not, not against having other sources to prove a case. I'm not against going to the sciences or going to historical data. I'm not against that. But that's not your primary source. That if all else fails, fails, the word of God stands on its own. And that when everything is telling you that it's over, that it's hopeless, that there's no way out of this situation, you have to go back to the Word of God as the, as the, 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 the grounds for faith. Anything outside of that, it leads you over, open to deception. It leads you open to the attacks of the enemy. We just say, as Mary says, be it unto me according to thy word. I don't know what your situation is. What you may be fighting, what you might be dealing with. And God has just spoken and said, Lord, said, I'm going to do something great in your life. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to bring you out of the situation. And you, you have two choices here. You can be like Zacharias and say, how do I know this is true? Pastor Nick talked about this last week between the skeptic and the, the cynic. Which one are you? Are you? Or actually, you shouldn't even be either. <laughs> we shouldn't be a skeptic or a cynic. We shouldn't be asking for any more evidence. There's plenty of evidence in the Word of God. We just need to stand on it. Whatever it is, you just need to say, be done to me according to your word. If you're not saved, if you've not experienced the salvation power that I'm talking about, here's a seed for you to plant in your heart. That Acts 2, 38 says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's a promise. That's what it says in the next verse, in verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and your children's children, all those are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's a promise that you can stand on. If you want to receive salvation, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I open unto you this opportunity to receive that salvation power. And all you have to do is say is, Lord, beat unto me according to your word. I know that you want me to be saved. I know that you want me to be healed. I know that you want me to be delivered I just need to get into agreement and alignment with what you are saying in Jesus name I open these altars today that if anyone would like prayer today that to come forward if you want salvation if you want to receive the Holy Ghost 
then today is your day. And it all starts first with repentance. There's no revival that's ever occurred, true revival, without there being true repentance, which means a turning away from sin. You have to turn away. Repentance doesn't mean to cry or to say, just God, I'm sorry. It comes from the, the Greek word metanoia, which means to change one's mind. I'm changing my mind. I'm turning around. I'm going a different direction than what I was going. I was going towards hell and damnation. I was going towards sin. But now I'm heading towards the cross. Change your mind and head towards Christ today. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to come down and uh, pray for some of these that are here. And I want you just as I'm praying, just say, be done to me according to your, to your word, Lord. Whatever your word is said on the subject, that's what it is for me. Whatever you've spoken on the matter, that is what I want to manifest in my heart. What's what I want in my spirit, inside of my soul? It's got to be God according to what you have said, not according to the opinion of another. Not according, not because I've said it, or pastor has said it. It's because the word of God says it. We've got to go back to the word of God. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.